sit down. Ida, help us. Hi, James. So glad you could make it here tonight for this meeting. But can you excuse for one second? Because I just need to do something before I talk to you. I know it sounds kind of funny because of the way we've been. But I want to pray first. Let us pray. Or, you know what? Let me pray. Oh God, help me, please help me. I want to serve you, I really do. I want to follow you. Please help me. Please give me the Holy Spirit. I know that only you can make me strong. Today I have to do what is right. Because I don't want to fall into this mess again. The hour has come and the seed must fall into the ground and die. I know you have made me strong enough to do this. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I had to meet you here today. There's just so many things to say. I really need to set things right. I'm here to speak the word of God. We've been living in sin so long. We both know it's not right. This fornication can't go on. It's time to quit and say goodbye. Glad we're meeting here today. This relationship is wrong. I've been pregnant three, four times. Aborting baby is just too bad. I feel sick because I have sinned. My hands are covered in so much blood. I cannot do this anymore. For so long we've been together I won't be seeing you anymore 
crying as I speak. Mm -hmm. I've been crying all week long. It's time for me to take my cross and follow Jesus. I can't deny that I loved you. I can't deny you made me happy. Oh, yeah. You made me laugh. You made me cry. I just loved it being with you. Oh. And though I feel drawn to you, I want to follow my Jesus from now. I have found a greater love. Oh, 
James. Hi, James. Hey, I'm a boy. Ladies and gentlemen, these are four people that use their ability, they, they use means to do the will of God. Now, I want to talk about one more person. Who used means, and his name is Count Zinzendorf. Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf was a European nobleman. He was a rich man. You know, in those days, the Rich people are divided into people are divided into two: rich people and poor people. If you are a rich man, you are called a noble man. So he was a noble man, and he was by birth, all right, destined to live. I'm I'm just reading a book to you, all right. So just 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 enjoy the story. He chose, instead of living his life of luxury and riches, this is, this is one of the great examples of a rich person who used his money and genuine wealth to promote the kingdom of God all his life. He's an odd person because amongst all the people, you know, like William Carey was a cobbler, shoemaker, shoe repairer. And Adoniram, just, I mean, they were nothing. Most of the people were nothing. But this one was like top class, high class person. So instead, he chose to dedicate his expansive influence and wealth to the glory of his savior. Throughout Europe, the Middle East, Asia, all right, West Indies, southern tip of Africa, Greenland, the name of Christ was extolled by the missionaries sent out under Zinzendorf's leadership. Yes, everywhere. So, he himself became a missionary. At a point, he was accused of sending people to die. So, he decided that he will be a missionary himself and left his wife and everything and went himself the Caribbean as a missionary for, for four years. Yeah, And he said, the world is the field and the field is the world and henceforth that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. That's what he said. He said, he said the world is the field. Alright? And the field is the world. And therefore, the country shall be my home. He said, I don't have any country except the country where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. So, for 40 years of Christian ministry, all right, 
administered what he believed was the right thing. Amen. Now, he had three beliefs. One, that you must have a personal relationship with Christ. Two, you must, all true believers must learn to live and worship together. In other words, there is no Christianity without community. So we must be able to live together in peace. And third, that every Christian is called to help to spread the message of Christ's sacrificial death and redemption to the unreached world. This is what Zin Zindorf said. Zin Zindorf said, are you listening to me? Are you writing? Why don't you listen rather than writing? What are you going to write? You have to get the book. Just get the book. I'll tell you the book after. You go get it. But occasionally, some of the statements you can write. Listen to this one. This was Zinzendorf said. He said, say Zinzendorf. He said, every heart with Christ is a missionary. And every heart without Christ is a mission field. If a heart has Christ, then that person is a missionary. If a heart does not have Christ, that person is a mission field. Clap for, clap for, Hallelujah. Whether a believer was sent to a foreign land or worked to support the one sent, to Zinzendorf, the missionary enterprise was a cooperative effort. He did believe in that. All right? So, he was born on the 26th of May. Yeah. In Dresden. He was the only child. And for generations before his birth, for generations before his birth, the Zinzendorf family had enjoyed a high rank. Are you there? Among the Austrian nobility. Serving in the court of Austrian emperors. Alright? So, his father, his grandfather, had embraced, are you listening to me? Martin Luther was German. This man is a German. This was Saxony, was Germany. So, Martin Luther from Germany came along and they rejected the Catholic Church and said that they, you have to believe in God personally and receive salvation through faith in Christ. Are you listening? Now, Luther, uh, Zinzendorf's grandfather and father were all followers of Martin Luther's line of belief. So by the time Zinzendorf was born, they were established Lutheran kind of people. All right? So, in order for Zinzendorf's grandfather to embrace his Protestant faith, he sold his Austrian estate and moved his wife and children from Austria, which was Catholic, to Germany, which was more Protestant, like these people.
people, this Lutheran people. All right? So, Ludwig's father, Zinzendorf's father, was a counselor to the king. And his father died six weeks after the son was born. When Zinzendorf was born, his father died after six weeks. All right? As a young widow, just 25 years old, his mother took her son and moved to her mother's estate where he was left with a grandmother. Okay? When he was only four years old, his mother married again. You see, sometimes some of these things happen. You locate, he was now with a grandmother who was very spiritual. Maybe if his father had been alive, it wouldn't have been like that. So she lived. And the four-year-old boy was there with the grandmother. She was a very active Christian. They emphasized priesthood and the need for a vigorous relationship with Jesus Christ rather than dry worship. Are you there? He wrote, Zinzendorf wrote, Later on in his life, he said, In my childhood, I loved the Savior and had abundant communion with him. He said, In my fourth year, I was four years old, I began to seek God earnestly and determined to become a true servant of Jesus Christ. I was as certain that the Son of God was my Lord as I was certain of the existence of my five fingers. At the age of four. years old. Is it amazing? He wrote in his childhood diary. This is what he wrote. A thousand times I heard him speak in my heart and I saw him with the eye of my faith. If Jesus were forsaken by the whole world, I would still cling to him and love him. If Jesus was forsaken by Paul, I, Zinzendorf, I would still hold to Jesus. A childhood. At the age of 10, he was taken from his grandmother's castle and sent to a boarding school. As a nobleman of high rank, Ludwig was expected to train in the school and be in this school. Unfortunately, he was bullied by the older boys because of his money and his noble rank. He said, he wrote, he said, with a few exceptions, my school fellows hated me throughout. I was also bullied a lot in school. I was really, and I can say the same thing, with the exception of a few people, most of the people in the school hated me. Yeah. But you see, that thing drives you to God. So Ludwig later wrote, he said, even my tutor, that is the housemaster, Daniel Crisenius, 
scorned his commitment to Jesus and blackmailed him for his allowance. He said to the boy, if you tell your grandmother so, so, and so, I shall tell her that you are too lazy to study. So, God used his trials in school to give him spiritual strength. And he wrote, this shame shall not crush me. On the contrary, it shall raise me up. You are being raised up. So he grew both academically and spiritually and found a few like-minded boys in the school. And it was God's blessing that enabled him to excel in both knowledge and personal character. At the age of 12, he went when he was 10, Ludwig von Zinzendorf and his four closest friends formed a secret Christian society in the boarding school. And the society was dedicated to prayer, Bible study, and adherence to the teachings of Jesus Christ. They were the least popular boys in the, in the school. And they were picked on because of their lack of strength and size. They were small and they were not like, they were not like strong, you know, these muscular guys and whatever. So they were bullied because of that. And he and four friends, they decided to form a Christian secret society. And the aim of it was that. All right. One of the young men became Ludwig's closest friends and confidant. Sometimes I call him Ludwig. Sometimes I call him von Zinzendorf. Is it, uh, what do you call that is coming into the room? The fog. We are in the Swiss Alps, I tell you. Wow. Fantastic. Are you interested in the story I'm telling you? Any neighbor who is not interested in the story, expose the person so that we can deal with the person straight away. Ludwig sensed the call to be an evangelist at a very young age. His example was Jesus Christ himself. He said that Jesus was only 12 years old when he confused the great minds of his day in the temple. And he said in the Old and New Testament, we read about young people called into ministry. Joseph was very young when he was called with his dreams. Samuel was a young boy in the temple. This Ludwig is giving the examples of young people who serve God as young children. David was singing, the youngest boy serving the Lord. Timothy, young person. All right? So the young count, the young man, Zinzendorf, named his secret society. Do you, know what, do you want, want to know the name of the secret society? His society was called the Order of the Mustard Seed. That we are the mustard seeds. Yeah. The order of the mustard seed. And they believe that their small seed of faith will become a large tree of service to the Lord. All right. These young men 
were going to have money because they were all rich people. They were going to be wealthy, all right, and have influence, and they were going to use that money to proclaim. Ludwig had gold rings made. Designed with the Greek words written in the ring. Inside the ring was written something. Do you know what was written in the rings? For he and his four friends. Yes. No man liveth unto himself. No man liveth unto himself. Look at a young person. You see, that's why, that's why I'm reading this one because... I could have read William Carey and others, but this one is the young guy. No one liveth unto himself. Wow. And the society also made a banner. They made these four young boys. They made a banner with a crest of a master tree and a Latin inscription that read, Out of nothing, something. Out of nothing, something is coming. Out of nothing, something. Turn to your neighbor, say, something is coming out of nothing. Something is coming out of nothing. Why don't you write it as your motto, out of nothing, something. Go out of this camp meeting, Saying out of nothing, something. Out of nothing, something. Out of nothing, something. From their small dormitory room to the world political and religious stage, Zinzendorf met Christian world leaders who accepted membership. Yes, in the future, great people joined, including James Oglethorpe, the governor of colonial Georgia, Tomochichi, the chief of the Yamakrao tribe in America, Christian the sixth, the king of Denmark, John Potter, they all joined the order of the master seat. No, I'm a few, I'm a faith, the small Nina order of master seat, the small boys at 12 years old. These people joined later with the ring and everything, and it was out of nothing, something. And no man liveth unto himself. It was written in their rings. made a ring for my bishops and I wrote something in the ring. I'm surprised to see that they also made a ring and wrote something in it. Yes. Wow. Hallelujah. There is an anointed unity in the spirit among groups of Christians who bond together. Jesus and his disciples, an example. John Wesley also did the same thing. He formed what is called the Holy Club of Believers. 
when they were, he was a student at Oxford University. And they covenanted to pray and fast and study the Bible and take care of the needy in the Oxford area. That was what became the Methodist Church later. Those small boys and girls, out of nothing is something. Tell your neighbor, out of nothing, something is coming. Something great is coming. Yes, out of nothing. Wow, I love it. And the people, the young men and women who were saved, were committed to one another. All right? Billy Graham established his worldwide ministry with a group of young men. Uh, George Jeffries formed the Ellen denomination. He also formed with some young people. Zinzendorf's secret society became an influential society amongst rich people in the world. One day in school, because Ludwig was a nobleman, I'm telling you, use means. Whenever they were having dinner, he was always made to sit at the head of the dinner table, somewhere, ne- somewhere near the head. One evening, there was a special guest. And the guest was an old boy of the school. His name was Bartholomeus Ziegenbalg. And Zinzendorf was only 15 years old and he was sitting near the head of the table. Listen to what happened. This man was one of the first two Protestant missionaries sent out by the Danish royal family. They had been sharing about Christ in the Danish colony of Traquinbar, India for eight years. From the early years of the Reformation, Denmark had welcomed the gospel. And Danish Christians were the first Europeans to produce Bible in their national language. Although missionary work was unheard of in the church, Protestant Europe, King Frederick IV of Denmark was a Christian visionary who sent out missionaries, Christian missionaries to his colonies, a king. All these kind of kings and so on that we have today who don't fear God. See, This is a perfect example of power and influence. And we are going to see more of that. Hallelujah. But the Anglican churches and the Lutheran churches of Europe were against the idea of sending missionaries into the world. At that time, they believed that when Jesus said, go into all the world, it has ceased because the apostles had died. And when the first apostles fulfilled the command, they are reaching the ends of the world. So there was nothing like going anywhere. So the European, these churches, Anglican and uh, reform, the Reformed churches, Protestant churches, they were basically fighting the Catholic church as their work of God. Yes. A lot of Christians just quarrel among themselves as the work of God. Fighting this, fighting that. So in the Danish outreach, this man who was sitting there 
was a, a missionary who had been sent, which was a strange thing. All right. At dinner that night, Ludwig von Zinzendorf sat in rapt attention, his eyes fastened on this brother Ziegenbalg, the first Lutheran missionary. Burning with curiosity, he asked him detailed questions about his missionary work, the language and customs of the Indian people. And from that dinner time, Ludwig's destiny was sealed. As soon as he was excused from the dining hall, Ludwig raced down the corridor into one of the other guy's room who was uh, in the order of the master seat to share him every detail of what he heard at the dinner. What an exciting new vision for the order of the mustard seed. They would consecrate their lives to sending the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world to those who did not know him. And they said, it would be impossible to go ourselves to be admitted because of their positions of nobility. But they vowed to use their fortunes, their money, and their influence to spread the gospel message around the world. This story, according to the, the book, I'm reading. It's a reminder to each of us that our greatest sermon may be delivered to one person at a dinner table. Because Count Zinzendorf had the idea of mission. That's why I talk about divine wisdom. As you pray for it, you'll be surprised where and how that idea will come and be strong in your heart and in your mind. That's why sometimes some people come along and they say, you know, I want to go to South Africa. I want to be as when people have these strong feelings and beliefs, I say, go. Because somehow God has planted those thoughts in their, in their minds, in their hearts. Yeah. So Zickenberg had by one conversation sowed the mission seed that transformed the whole European Protestant church. Whatever is on your heart, speak up. Even if it is to just one person. Hallelujah. Now, at this time, 200 years after Martin Luther, Zinzendorf was alive. All the fire of Martin Luther had died away. There was no sign of Martin Luther and his fire left in Germany till this guy came along. Zinzendorf. It is a historical observation that many places of revival are dull and dead by the third generation. Yes. And Ludwig had entered a church that was already dull and dead. Now, Ludwig's uncle Count Otto von Zinzendorf wanted Zinzendorf to rather study law and prepare for service in the royal court. And listen to what he said. Listen to what the missionary, the man with the missionary has said. Listen. He said, my uncle was obsessed to change my heart and put a different head on my body. <laughs> Ewo. <laughs> when God has called you, nobody can put a different head on your body. 
spite of the wildness and religious formalism, Ludwig was determined to pursue Christ. I commune with the friend of my heart, the ever-present Savior daily. I, spend, I am spending a whole hour from 6 to 7 in the morning as well as in the evening from 8 to 9 in prayer. Ludwig spent entire nights praying and full days fasting before the Lord as well. Nothing would deter him from his passion for Jesus. This prayer time was the way he kept his spirit fresh. After graduation from the university, each nobleman was sent on a year-long journey through the capital cities of Europe. You have to go from Frankfurt to Paris, Paris to London, London to uh, Copenhagen, all the capital cities to complete his education. You have to travel. That's why I say that traveling is, is, is education. So Ludwig's travels were uneventful until the day that he went to Dusseldorf art museum as he was walking through the art gallery in the museum he saw a painting do you know what want to know what he saw he stopped at a large painting of jesus christ with a crown of thorns on his head and blood on his cheek the painting was by the Italian artist Domenico Fetti. And the painting was entitled Echi Homo, which means Behold the Man. The painting was of Jesus, Behold the Man. This was the announcement which Pontius Pilate made after Jesus was scourged. And the words etched beneath the painting startled Ludwig, the writing, Eki Homo, Eki Homo, behold the man, Eki Homo. And the words were burned into his heart. These are the words that entered his heart. This, when he saw the painting, I have done you. What are you doing for me? As he stood by the painting and he was watching, Eki Homo, behold the man. He said, certain words entered his heart. Talking about the wisdom of God. This I have done for you. What are you doing for me? You see, he was chained by a dinner meeting and by visiting the art museum and seeing the painting. Yes, you have to visit places. Wisdom cries at the gates. I stood there without an answer, Zinzendorf wrote. I implored my Savior to draw me with force into the partnership of his suffering, even if my mind struggled against it. There in the art gallery, Ludwig von Zinzendorf dedicated the rest of his life to the service of the Son of God. He said, these wounds were meant to purchase me. These drops of blood were shed to obtain me. I am not my own. Today I belong to another. I have been bought with a price. I will live every moment of every day so that the great purchaser of my soul will receive the full reward of his suffering. During his six-month stay in France, Ludwig met the Archbishop of Paris. And in spite of their different beliefs, they developed a friendship. Before they departed, the 70-year-old cardinal 
accepted the 20-year-old boy's invitation for membership of the order of the master seed. I see people joining your small church. Before reporting to the Saxon court in Dresden, that is, he was going for his duties, Ludwig traveled through Switzerland to visit an aunt. Whilst he was staying at the castle, he found himself falling in love with his beautiful cousin, Theodora. Theodora left the castle for home with his auntie's hearty approval for the engagement. But something didn't seem quite settled for Theodora. A short time later, Ludwig discovered that a close friend, brother Heinrich Rus, had also fallen in love with Theodora. And that Theodora preferred Heinrich Rus. Don't be sad when their hearts are hardened. So Ludwig, trusting completely in the Lord's direction, stepped aside and said, Marry. With a peaceful heart, he spoke to the young couple. It is settled. God's benevolent will be done. I wish the two of you felicity and contentment. Turn to the nearest two beloveds and wish, find any beloved and wish them felicity and contentment. I wish you felicity and contentment. Beloved, stand together so that we see you. Uh, Beloved, stand together so that we can wish you felicity and contentment. Stand by him. Stand by him. Stand by me. Have you found any beloveds who are nearby? If you know you are not a beloved, sit down so that we can see the real beloveds. Ewo. Ah, is that a boy or a girl you are standing by? Remove that thing from your head so that we can see. Uh huh. Ew. to them and say, I wish you felicity and contentment.
Are you wishing them felicity and contentment? Wow, I see Jude and Marlin. Wow, felicity and contentment. Mark and, is it Alberta? Wow. McDonald and Hannah. Where are they? Where are they? I wish you felicity and contentment. Have you wished them felicity? Felicity dance. All beloved should come. We are coming to do felicity and contentment dance. Ah, don't stand in front of your mother. Move to the side here. 
Beloved, to the front, come. Salome and Letitia, stand in the front. You lead them in the dance. If you line them up, line them up. They are wasting time. Shall they get some water? They are just wasting our time. They are wasting our time. When there's a, a beloved, then you leave space for the next one so that we see the felicity. If you know your beloved is not here, don't come near the front. Arrange them, arrange them. Come, come up, come up, come up. Okay. Get your water ready. Because we have we have no time to waste for on morons and dalads. Do you want any moronic dancing? Do you want any daladic dancing? This is your last chance. Go! Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. I love you. Just money, I need you. Just money, I love you. Just money, I need you. Hey, Nana K. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. How sweet are thy words, sweeter than honey to my Look. mouth. Look. Shh. 
pause, pause. Those of you who don't be, have beloved, don't use too jealousy to be watching them. You know what I'm saying? Look, move back, move back and give them some space. It's like your jealousy is being revealed. Like you are punishing people who don't have to be punished. Step back, please. I have to finish my counseling so I don't have any time to waste. This is your last. Start all over again quickly. Yeah. Go for it. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. Oh, how I love thy law, oh Lord. It is my meditation of the day long through thy commandments. Thou hast made me wiser, wiser than my enemies. All oh, my enemies, how sweet are thy words, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Oh. Hey, honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For that testimony are my precepts. I understand more than the ancients. Because I keep the precepts, how sweet as thy words, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Oh. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Honey, honey, I love you. Honey, honey, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. Testimony, I love you. Testimony, I need you. I have refrained my feet from every evil way. Wow. That I might keep thy word, oh Lord. Are you gonna keep I'm not word? departed from thy judgment. For thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Thy word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word. Oh Lord, it's a light unto my 
my past through your commandments I get understanding oh, oh therefore I hate every false way how sweet are thy words sweeter than honey 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 to my mouth oh Congratulate one another, wish them felicity and contentment according to the order of the master seat. And count Zinzindorf's felicity and contentment. Go and sit down. Now, 18 months later, 22-year-old Ludwig von Zenzendorf married that guy who took his beloved, no? He married her younger sister. And she was the perfect companion for him. She shared Ludwig's passion for following Jesus. And together they offered their lives and their fortunes. She was also from a rich family. Ludwig was being directed by the Lord. All right? What a blessing. In 1722, Ludwig Zunzendorf reported for his first job. He was assigned as an advisor to the king. Just as his mother, his uncle and grandmother had hoped. But as he started working, he was discouraged. Because more than anything else, he wanted to be a minister of the gospel. But it was not acceptable for the type of person he was. He was from a rich noble family. He was from the nobility. You don't understand that now, but in those days everybody was divided into two. You are from the upper or the lower class. When you are from the upper, the nobility, you can't do certain things. When you are from the commoners, you can't do certain things. So, each Sunday 
afternoon and evening, Ludwig and his wife, Edmoth, Erdmoth, welcomed Christians, nobles, and commoners into their houses for fellowship Bible study. And that year, when Ludwig von Zinzendorf became of age, he received a large inheritance from his father's estate. Remember, his father died six weeks after he was born. So it was when he got to 20-something, he was given all this estate. All right? And when he got this estate, he said he had been dreaming of building a community like the early church, like where everybody there will be like a member of the early church. Everybody lives together in harmony. So he purchased with his riches an estate, the estate of Bethelsdorf, located a few miles from his mother's castle. All right? And he looked at the acres of land with faith. So that place that he had bought, Bethelsdorf, became his passion. All right? And although he was still working, you see, using me, so he was working as the counselor of the king, but he was using his money to do all these things. So first of all, there was a small church near the land where he had bought. He appointed his friend, one of the guys from the order, as the pastor on the church, small church that was on the estate. And he commissioned me, the pastor. He said, look, I bought this estate because I wanted to spend my life among ordinary people and win their souls for Christ. So go to the vineyard of the Lord. You will find me a brother and a helper rather than a patron. He said, you you will see that I'm more of your brother than a patron. So he started a little church in that land, on that land. And then now Ludwig decided to come and build himself a house there, a mansion at the land, that empty land that he had bought. You see, we are talking about using means. Using means. Like he, he, you just come up, you didn't do anything, you have inherited money. And he decided to buy this bare land which, which had a small church on some corner. And then he decided to build himself a mansion there as one of the members of the community. A hope that there will be a community there. Once that mansion was complete, he and his wife, they had the same money. They opened to their homes every evening for Bible study. So, his friend from school moved from Switzerland to come and stay at that Bethelsdorf. Alright? Now, the first settler who arrived was from a man from a place called Moravia. He traveled. Moravia was formerly Czechoslovakia. Now, in Moravia, they were chasing, Catholics were chasing people who were not serious Catholics. And this guy was running away from the Catholics. Now, the Catholic was both political and religious. Quite a bit like the way certain religions are today. So this David, Christian David, he came there. And although he, was, he had escaped from Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia was just by Germany. 
he escaped to that place. He had escaped from the place called Moravia to that place where Zinzendorf had bought the land. He felt for the people he had left who were being hunted in Czechoslovakia. That was Moravia. So he wanted to go back and bring some of them to that bare land. Do you see? So when he heard about Ludwig's vision to build a Christian town, he asked if the refugees from Czechoslovakia, Moravian refugees, can come there. Maybe it's a quota. That is why we are here. He, he answered a resounding yes. So this David Brenner went back to Moravia and started smuggling refugees from Czechoslovakia or Moravia. So these people were called Moravians to the land that Zinzendorf had bought. He came first with two people. They cut the ho- a tree and built a house with the first Moravians. Then he made 10 more secret trips to Moravia, smuggled more brothers and sisters. That is how the community started building. That's the Moravians. Hallelujah. And he wrote, God grant your excellency to be able to build on the hill a town which may not itself abide under the Lord's watch, but the inhabitants may be able to continue on the Lord's watch so that no silence of prayer may be there by day or night. Within four years, the land which he had bought as his land was now being occupied by more than 100 people who had all traveled to come and stay there as Christians who wanted to be there. They built a school, Moravian school, Moravian medical house dedicated to the glory of God, singing songs of praises. And all the newcomers were standing there as they were dedicating. All right? All the men were essential. One of, some of them who were there at the very beginning became Moravian bishops in future. Hallelujah. Now, the Moravians, I don't know if you've heard of John Hus. John Hus, H-U-S. He was a Catholic priest who spoke out against the Catholic Church, condemned them before Martin Luther, and because of that, he was killed, and all his books were burned. But so were people who were following him, and those were the Moravians in Czechoslovakia. Do you understand? Yeah. So these Moravian believers were, they were, they were under persecution, and that's why they they are happy to find Zinzendorf who has bought and land. So Christians should live, build free, build and stay here free. You understand? So, these people were persecuted. Alright? And now, Ludwig started to meet them and he found out these were real believers. Strong believers. And he blessed to use his resources and his life to help them survive. And he said, Zinzendor said, I want to be used among these people to bring a revival. Though I may lose my property and my honor and my life in the cause, as long as I live and as far as I'm able, this flock shall be preserved for him till he comes. Alright? So as news spread that this is a free place where you can stay, more and more persecuted Christians from Moravian, Anabaptist, Calvinist, Separatists, even some Catholics, 
started coming and arriving there and started living there. All right? Now, in the midst of this beautiful arrival, a man called Johannes Sigismund Kruger preached using the scriptures to bring division and hatred into that small community that has started. Kruger mocked the church that they were building there, calling it a whore of Babylon. And he said Count Zinzendorf was a beast of the abyss. And John Roth, the person he had brought as a pastor, was a false prophet. His messages were so persuasive that many of the settlers were deceived by the false accusations. Including the very fair Christian David who came and the one who was bringing the people. As a result, David, the leader, the pastor, all right, spoke hatefully about each other. As Kruger's messages increased, the guy who was bringing the confusion, it became obvious that he was mentally deranged. He was arrested and put in an asylum. But a lot of damage had happened. And the 27-year-old Zinzendorf, Zinzendorf was only 27 years doing all these things. So. <laughs> 27. Those of you who are not yet 27, this is your chance to rise up. All this was even not really his ministry because we haven't we have not reached the stage where he starts to send missionaries all this is building the town and the confusion and orangus coming and scattering the place all right when zinzendorf had all this confusion he left where he was a counselor and came took leave of absence and said look i need to be at this place where this orangu is scattering the people so, on the 12th of May, the youthful 27-year-old Count Zinzendorf stood in front of the 300 members who had, were residents of that his land. And he spoke to them. He said that they may all be one as I and thee. And he preached unity. And in the end, he made it clear that everybody who stays here must walk in brotherly love in order to remain on his land. He asked them to sign brotherly union and compact agreements to live together in peace. And they signed it. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit moved among the people as Zinzindov spoke. And within the three hours meeting, the Christian disciples stood and spread outspread hands to each other. And soon after, the main guys who were quarreling approached each other and forgave themselves. From that time, love was restored into the community and they established 12 elders who were chosen as leaders in the community hallelujah on Sunday 1727 he prayed for the spirit he prayed for the Holy Spirit to move among them alright and they invited the Holy Spirit amen and they entered and they dropped to their knees the Holy Spirit moved they wept they cried And they were swept into the presence of the Lord. And they cried for mercy and grace. And they were singing. And Zinzendorf wrote that that was the most blessed summer they had ever had. He saw the hand of God, the Holy Spirit, working to magnify Christ. Two weeks after the Holy Spirit fell, after the Orangu was dealt with, the Holy Spirit fell. Then two weeks after that, they they 
24 men and 24 women from the, the land who were staying on the land pledged to pray one hour every day. This prayer time was called hourly intercession. And it was held around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the 24 people. They interceded before God. And after some time, 77 people committed themselves to take part in this 24-hour prayer meeting. And they received 2,000 prayer requests from Christians throughout Germany. And when the Moravians started their missionary work, they were praying and they didn't even know that the Holy Spirit would continue to work through them for 24 hours. 365 days. For the next 100 years, this prayer chain never stopped. <laughs> prayer chain. They established. So you see, first a rich man buys a land. He says Christians should stay there. People start coming. People he didn't expect. They were not even real Germans. They came from Moravia. They rather came there. You see, sometimes the people you think are the people who will follow, they don't tell another one. Then another group comes. Very zealous Christian. Then Orangu comes. How to deal with, they arrested the man and put him in an asylum. Before the church became, the people became normal. Yes. And after that, the Holy Spirit came. Then after that, prayer meetings started for 100 years. Still, they have not started missionary work. Oh. Yes. All this has to happen before the mission comes on. Hallelujah. Now, soon after, Ludwig, you know what he did? He said that we must be sharing scripture. Every day, somebody must share a scripture to encourage the congregation. So he chose Bible passages and wrote it on a piece of paper and put it in a lotto box. And put it in a wooden box. Every night they'll pick one. And the person who picks it has been chosen to share from that scripture, the one that is written on it. And that's how they were doing their sharing. <laughs> Every night. Three years later, they set up a printing press to print Bibles. They published their own devotional. They published a book. 300 years later, today, that uh, daily guide is still working. Amen. Some years later, Ludwig discovered some early writings of the last bishop of the Moravians. And he found that the guy's writing was very similar to his writings. And he was amazed at the similarity between him and Comenius, that man was called Comenius. So he realized that God had brought them to him. It was the same movement. From his earliest years, Ludwig had been a writer of hymns. His most famous hymn was later translated by John Wesley. It's called Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. They loved music. They loved to worship God in music. Have you noticed that we also love music here? Life in Hernhut became a sanctuary filled with praise, worship. Watchmen would walk past the homes singing praises as the village closed down for the night. Ludwig personally wrote more than 1,000 hymns and published a number of hymnals. You see, most good songs are written by pastors. 
Many singers cannot write songs. So you, you will find, for instance, Tego Sisters, Daughters of Glorious Jesus, the songs that they sang that are famous, they were all written by their pastors. And when their pastors either stopped writing them or the pastors died or whatever, the, they are, you notice that it's not the same. They don't even sound, they, don't, they look different sounding because the songwriting is also preaching. You see, singing is preaching, but in a melodious form. Yeah, so he wrote 1,000 hymns. Charles Wesley wrote a lot of hymns. Isaac Watts, uh, uh, another pastor, he wrote a lot of hymns. Many, many hymns that we sing are from those guys. Are you there? And they organized themselves into small groups, like cell groups, called bands. And he said that the reason why we formed, and those bands were called choirs, but not music choirs. He said the reason why we have small groups is to disclose the condition of our hearts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, the Christians were happy. And one day, he went to the coronation of the Danish king, the king of Denmark. All right. To celebrate the crowning of Christian VI as the king of Denmark. At the coronation, Zinzendorf met a man called Antonius Ulrich, who was a slave. He was a former slave in the island of St. Thomas in the West Indies. Ulrich had become a Christian whilst he was on board a ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean. But he expressed great sadness. He said that my fellow slaves in St. Thomas, Caribbean islands, St. Thomas. He said, my fellow slaves have no way about hearing about Christ. If only missionaries would come, Ulrich mourned at the coronation of the king. You never know when God is going to give you an encounter and going to give you a mind and an idea. Not at a church service. Not at a church service. Many an evening have I sat down on the shore and sighed my soul towards the Christian Europe. That's thinking about Europe. Christians full of Europe. If only the, the brother would come. Zinzendorf was shocked. He said, what? The Christian plantation owners in St. Thomas are not openly sharing the gospel with their native slaves. Why? And with the same excitement he had when he met the first missionary 15 years ago, Ludwig rushed back to the Moravian leadership, Moravian people at his place where his land was, with a new passion. All right? And that night, he tossed and turned with his friends. Till dawn, he was thinking about the African slaves of the West Indies, held captive and without hope in Christ. Here am I, send me, was the cry of his heart. When he told his friend to Tobias Leopold of his desire to go to St. Thomas, Leopold admitted of having the same call in his spirit. So together, these two different people approached Zinzendorf with their desire. All right. Throughout his life, Zinzendorf believed in the lot, choosing by like Lotto. He said that the Holy Spirit will give us direction through that way. Ludwig based his belief on Acts 1.24 when the apostle used the lot to choose a disciple to replace Judas. So when they pray, they will do anything they want to do, so they do that. So the two guys who said they wanted to go to St. Thomas, 
they put the thing in the lot and um, they did it for these guys as they prayed over these two people they finished praying they did the lot and when they drew the lot one of them was chosen and the other one was not chosen and it pained him bad because the guy really wanted to go so the guy was asked to go to St. Thomas the first missionary to Moravian no one knew how to be a missionary so they were sent out and they were not even given enough money to go Zinzindov had the finances but he didn't know how to do it hallelujah so they put the man in their carriage to a spot 20 miles away and he knelt down by the roadside for them and he said he laid hands on them and he said in all things and always let the spirit of Christ guide you and he left them to go to St. Thomas hallelujah Somebody paid for their ship and they were able to go. He said, my call from the Lord is to spread the word of the blood and the cross of Jesus. I, I don't care. The ne- within a year, four more missionaries were sent. This time they were sent to the Inuit natives of Greenland. You see, as God blesses you and you are happy together, there comes a time when we must preach the gospel. And you must travel. Yes. See, God gives money, blessing, keeps us together, keeps us happy, singing, writing hymns. But you have to go. Because there are others that don't know about Jesus. Amen. Now, let me just come quickly. It was through the Greenland missions that the Moravians discovered the key of bringing Christ. To the lost. Alright. He says they already believed that there was a God. They were trying to let them believe that there was a God. But they already believed. However, when he read the story of Christ's suffering. And sacrificial death to save them. They immediately responded. And they said, tell us again. We are ready to be saved. You see, when you go and talk about Jesus. That is when you begin to see the difference. That's when they learned how to preach. Yes. From that time, Zinzendorf counseled all the missionaries saying, don't be blinded at the notion that the heathen must be taught first to believe in God. And then afterwards in Jesus Christ. They already know there is a God. You must preach to them that God has a son. Preach of Jesus Christ who was crucified for their sin. You must tell them that the way to salvation is belief in this Jesus, the eternal son of God. You see, Jesus is the center of everything. And once Jesus Christ is not the center, something is wrong. That's what you must realize. You see, Jesus must come back to the center. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Okay. Now, soon after, Zinzendorf sent missionaries to Suriname. Yeah. And then to Lapland, Finland. Then after that, Tobias, you see, they started to do what they do while it's working. 
Tobias Leopold left with 15 missionaries to assist in the work in St. Thomas. The following year, two men were sent to the Guinea coast of Africa, Guinea. And 11 more missionaries were sent to St. Croix. C-R-O-I-X. How do you pronounce it? Croix. And some to replace those who had died of malaria. We hear some have died, so we want some replacement to go. Hey! The Hanhut Christians' dedicated dedication and willingness to sacrifice their lives was without equal. As soon as word that one missionary had fallen to disease reached Hen Hat. Hen Hat was the name of the land and the village that they built. The town that they built with the Moravian Christians. When they got the message that one has died. Has fallen to disease. Two more rose up to take his place. May you be among the two more that are rising up to take the place of the fallen ones. Together, they consecrated their lives under the Moravian banner. And the banner was, our lamb has conquered, let us follow him. By this time, Zinzendorf resigned permanently from that his lay job that he was doing as a counselor. That thing, it was disturbing him. To devote his life to the ministry And his family moved permanently to the village The Moravian village Which now had 500 members Now he, by that time he had given birth to 8 children But 3 of them had died Tragically, Ludwig and his wife Edmund had been visiting God's Acre, that is the cemetery they had over there, to bury their children far too often. Throughout their marriage, Ed, his wife gave birth to 12 children, 6 boys and 6 girls, but only 4 survived. He buried 8 of his children. Now, in addition to family sorrows, Zinzendorf was continual. You see, somebody will say he's cursed. You see, a lot of things that you are even saying are curses. The person is not actually cursed. He's working for God. In addition to these family sorrows, he became, he came under suspicion of those who were outside. Church leaders and European nobles became divided about him. Some regarded him as a faithful servant. Others said that the guy is very bad guy. We are afraid of his strange projects. Yeah. Now the Lutheran church started to persecute him that he's not a correct person. So he decided to apply for ordination as a Lutheran pastor. It was a big surprise. Means. So he went and joined the 
and did all the things and became a Lutheran priest. So I said, look, I'm a, a genuine Lutheran priest. After several months of interrogation by the Lutheran church and testing, Zinzendorf presented his final petition before the examining church board. And he said, I was but 10 years old when I began to direct my companions to Jesus Christ as their redeemer. Now I am 34. And my mind has undergone no change. My zeal has not cooled. I love and honor the established church. I will continue to win souls for my precious savior. I shall go to distant nations who are ignorant of Jesus and of the redemption of his blood. Zinzendorf successfully passed all phases of the examination and was ordained as a Lutheran pastor. Now he could preach in Lutheran churches throughout Europe. Unfortunately, nothing that Lutheran did could still protect him from the false accusation. Hallelujah. Dozens of missionaries had been sent out and Satan was angry. How could the work be stopped? The answer is attack the founder. Slanderous statement and half-truths about Sinzidov began to circulate. And to make matters worse, the new king, the old king of Saxony had passed and the new king came. He was even more suspicious of Zunzendorf and believed the lies. And suddenly, the king, the new king, got up and passed an edict and said, Count Zunzendorf is from henceforth banned from Henhart, where he has built a village, is but should not be in that country again. And at that time, he was traveling in Holland when he received the news that he has been exiled. Do not step where his house and all the village and the town was where he was sending missionaries. Fortunately. They allowed the Moravian brothers, the hundreds of people that were there to stay, but he, the leader, shouldn't come there again. As always, you know, he's responded. He said, it is now time to gather the pilgrim church. And he said, that place becomes our home where I can accomplish the most for my savior. Even if I cannot go there, anywhere that I can work for God is my home. So he decided I will not allow my exile to stop the mission work. I'm determined. I'm destined by the Lord to proclaim the message of the death and blood of Jesus, not with human ingenuity, but with divine power and mindful of personal consequences to myself. And with his exile, Zinzendorf himself became a missionary and a pilgrim. Now, Zinzendorf needed a new headquarters while in exile. So, he chose to purchase a deserted castle. You see, he was a rich man in Ronenberg, northern Germany. Soon, he established another community called Henhag. The first one was Henhart. 
This one was hand hug. And he established it. And the Moravians started organizing more poor people to come there. Hey! But by now, Moravian missionaries had been sent to West Indies, Suriname, Holland, to minister the Mezah even within the Jewish population. And revival was sweeping through Greenland where they had sent missionaries. And he wrote to his followers, he said, we shall work simply and quietly. Even if we never see wonders with our own eyes or hear them with our ears, we are planting the kingdom of heaven into the nations and we will look for the fruit which grows from it. For some Christians, their only job is to plant the seed and to suffer doing so without seeing the fruit of their labors. This was true especially of the early missionaries. 26-year-old missionary called George Smith left Hanhart for nowhere else than South Africa. 17-something-something. To minister among, in a dangerous mission field, among the native Koikoi people. Koikoi. Do you have Koikoi people in South Africa? Where, where, which part of South Africa? Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. It's a real group of people, Koikoi. Koikoi, do you know Koikoi? Do you yes, know somebody Koikoi? Or are you Koikoi? No. Wow. The Moravians were appalled by the news that the Dutch East Indian Company persecuted and killed South African natives, whom they disparagingly called Hottentots, which means stammerers. Schmidt introduced, went to South Africa alone. To introduce Koikoi to Jesus, hoping to replace hatred with love. The Dutch government of South Africa opposed everything that Smith did to bring the gospel. Eventually, he was forced to leave the country, that not before he had spent five years teaching the natives to read and write and to establish to worship the one true God. He established a Christian settlement that was later named Jenandendal. Jenandendal. It would be 50 years before the Dutch government will allow another missionary to come there. When the Moravians finally returned to Jenandendal, they helped to develop the small village into a hard-working, prosperous community and Christian sanctuary for African slaves. 200 years later, in this same Koikoi tribe place, President Mandela, in 1995, October 10th, Mandela visited that small village that the missionary came to. And to honor the Moravian community and their sacrificial work among the former black slaves, Mandela renamed the presidential residence in Cape Town. He named his presidential residence in Cape Town, Jenandendal, after the name of the place where Kauzenzendorf's missionary went to work. Are you excited about people who are carrying out their obligations? 
Christians to use means. Eh? You are exiled, you use it. You are sacked, you use it. You are allowed five years, you use it. Anything you you have, you are using it. Mandela named his residency in Cape Town, Jenan Dendal. The anointed Moravian missionary was still blessing works. In spite of the spiritual victories of the growing Moravian community, attacks against Zinzendorf's character never stopped. Now the new one was, they said, you are sending young people to their deaths, but you will not go yourself. When Zinzendorf heard it, even though it was working, there were a lot of deaths in the climate because of malaria and yellow fever. And one of the first to die was the young Tobias Leopold. Ludwig responded to this fresh accusation that he was sending people to die by saying that he he turned to the Lord and went to the lotto box. Should I go to West Indies or not? Then he put his hand inside and picked it and read, what did he say? God's answer was, go to St. Thomas. I think they write the answers in it. So when you pick, don't go, go. Whichever one you pick, that's it. So when he picked, put his hand and picked, it was go. <laughs> they believed it and it was working for them. Knowing that he can easily die as soon as he gets there, Zinzendorf put all his European affairs in order to protect his estates. He legally turned all the ownership of his estates to his wife. And now he wrote a detailed will concerning the rest of his personal effects. For he knew that he would never come back. And made arrangements to travel. Edmund, his wife, wrote to her brother of her husband's new zealous plan. He said, you can imagine what a difficult test it is for somebody like me. You see, my dear Ludwig, it became a long and dangerous journey. I could not bear it if it was not that I was sure that it was the Lord's will. I believe the Savior will bring him back to me if it is his will. And he will not place more on his shoulders than he can bear. So November 1718, Ludwig stepped onto the West Indies soil himself. You say, I'm sending people to die. I'm going myself. I've come. Clap for the, the honorable, the honorable great men. Don't you find these people wonderful? Is that how pastors of today behave? Is that how pastors of today behave? But is he coming more alive to you? Are you being inspired by his life, Count Zinzendorf? So if you go around the campus and you see a hall called Zinzendorf, isn't it? You should know why I name it after him. Yes. When he arrived there, he asked, where are the Moravian missionaries? He was surprised to find they have been arrested for the last three months. They are all in prison. <laughs> With slaves. And Zinzendorf knew that he had the support of the king. And he went and negotiated and released all the missionaries. Over the next six months, Zinzendorf 
preached to gatherings of six to eight hundred slaves from nearly 50 plantations every Saturday night. Some meetings lasted till the morning. The response of the natives to the gospel was exhilarating. And he wrote, St. Thomas is a greater marvel than Ben Hacks, where he was coming from in Germany. So this place is greater than where I came from. By the time Ludwig returned to Europe, Henhart and Henhag missionaries, his two cities that he had built, had extended their global outreach to Ceylon, Sri Lanka, Romania, Algeria, Constantinople. There were now 70 Moravian missionaries ministering the gospel around the world. Give the Lord a shout and a clap offering. of Christians. I'm showing you how people in their generation have fulfilled their obligations. Is there anybody sleeping behind there? Give me. Quick. Come this way. Where are the firing guys? Locate on up. Who in this area was if you, if you identify the one person, the rest of you will be spared. The rest of you will be spared if you can identify the person. If you don't identify, it will affect all of you. Fire them, fire them. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, let's go. A few drops of water will not harm you. Now, listen, we are are about to see a particular thing that I want you to see because something is about to happen. Yeah, something is about to happen. I'm blessed as I read it. I say, I would like to be like this. Would you not like to be like this? Would you not like to be... Those who were saying, who the water was power, are you excited? Go and check whether they are excited. Somebody should check for me whether they are happy. Onapo, Onapo, Onapo. Onapos. Now, there was a man called August Gottlieb Spangenberg. And he decided that he wanted to be and take the mission to America. First, he traveled to London. He met with and requested a land in Georgia for the Moravians. He was granted 100 acres and he sailed for America aboard. Listen, this is a very interesting, something is about to happen. On a ship called the Simons. Simons. With a small group of missionaries to America. 
as yeah and there was another missionary called Anna Nichman she was also one of the Moravian leaders okay now Zenzentov referred to Galatians 3:28 anytime he defended the using of women yeah he said he, he, he sent missionaries, young women. If you feel called, you are sent out as readily as the men. Yes. Whenever you are a woman, and so what? Go. He said the sisters belong to the class of those whom the Savior has declared to his heavenly father as priests, just as the men. Hence, there is no question that the whole band, the whole company, the whole choir of his maidens and brides and are priestesses. And not only are they priestesses, but they are also priestly women. Unfortunately, the mission in Georgia did not work. As soon as the Moravians arrived there. You see, you people, don't, don't take political problems and difficulties as the end. He said, as soon as they arrived there, America was having their civil war between the north and the south. And as soon as they were arrived, they were asked to join the army and fight the missionaries. So you've come to pray. They say, join the army and fight. <laughs> but because they were against all military acts, action, the new settlers refused to fight and were expelled. And the British evangelist George Whitfield was also preaching in Georgia and invited the expelled Moravians to go with him north to Pennsylvania. Whitfield owned a land over there and he gave it to the Moravians. He sold it to them. And that is where the Moravian prospered. Up to today, there's Moravian church in America. Yes. And all over the world. Even Zinzendorf's grave. It used to be in Eastern Germany. It's now all Germany. His grave is there. Saint Hendrik, that, that town village. Now listen. Remember the ship I told you the name was Simons? I wanted you to remember. That year who was on board that ship was a young unknown Anglican who was not yet born again. Genuinely born again but very religious but not born again. And who was this Anglican missionary? No other than John Wesley. He was traveling as a young graduate from Oxford. And he joined the ship. And that is where he met the Moravians. And through his discussion, as the Moravians were going, they were convincing those people moving. And John Wesley went on that same ship and met them. Then they discussed with him and explained salvation to him. Look at that. So even you, they may think that they, they failed because when they got to Georgia, it didn't work. They were, they were expelled. They said, well, but it's like they were supposed to meet John Wesley on that ship. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. And do you know how long it took the ship to go Several months. So, for because from England to America, it takes you about six months or five months to cross the sea. 
So John Wesley was stuck in the ship with the Moravians. And this says, Wesley was deeply moved by their faith. And he was questioning his own commitment. And he confessed when he returned from America that he lacked assurance of salvation. He says, I who went to America to convert others was not yet converted. So all that changed on Wesley's return, thanks to the Moravian Fellowship, he spent the whole of the next year with Moravians. That is where he learned his faith. Yes. What a blessing. Hallelujah. One day, uh, sometime after they came off the ship, Wesley went to a Moravian meeting. Because there were Moravians in London too. And he went for a meeting. And that is where he gave his life to Christ. At a New Year service, Aldous Gates, to welcome the Lord. They prayed for the fire of the anointing holy of the Holy Spirit. Moravians were praying. Do you know who was present? Do you know who was present? New Year's, New Year's Eve, 31st night, church service. Do you, know the, do you know the guys who were there? The Moravians were having a prayer. Should I tell you their names? Number one, John Wesley. Number two, Charles Wesley. Number three, George Whitfield. Famous evangelist. They were all at the Moravians all night. At the 31st night, 1738. Yeah. What a, what a, what a presence and an anointing and a passing on of mantles. Zinzendorf. Ludwig, but I will re- soon I will give somebody that name, Ludwig. Ludwig von Zinzendorf. John Wesley wrote later about that prayer meeting, that all night, that 31st, I said that the Holy Spirit came on us that day. Yes. He says, we, we praise you, God, we acknowledge you. All right. In the years to come, these three people were going to be great evangelists. Hallelujah. Amen. Throughout North America, South America, they developed a mission. Now, for years, the Moravians have watched Zinzendorf donate all his money and wealth to spread the gospel. All right, and now his money was finished. Yeah, his money got finished. And he says, he says, it was not difficult for me to do that. Yeah, it is nothing but love to the Lamb and to his church. Everything they did, every task they undertook, every soul that was saved for the master's sake. Soon they had established missionary stations in Maryland, New Jersey, Rhode Island, New York, America. Amen. Then something bad happened. One day, Zinzendorf was reading a Bible and he said that you must be like a child. As a Christian. So he started to embrace a new idea. He said that they must behave like children. 
and he created a new society called the Order of the Little Bulls. And they sponsored outdoor childish games and festivities. <laughs> Turning hen hug <laughs> into a frivolous society. Ludwig now started to refer to the Lamb of God as our little Lambi and began to address the Holy Spirit as our mother, erroneously claiming that the Spirit of God acted as a comforter. And so many funny things. So both of his friends wrote to him and warned him that he has moved dangerously beyond biblical whatever. So this strange behavior continued for four years in the middle of their ministry. And John Wesley Charles, so that's when they broke up their friendship with them. And they condemned Zinzendorf. They are both John Wesley and the John Wycliffe criticized the Moravians said that they are no, they are not correct. But a brother called Karl von Pistel traveled to Hanhag and sat down with Zinzendorf and convinced him that he was wrong in what he was teaching. Playing like children and so on. So after Zinzendorf repented and he stood before all the settlers at Hanhag and admitted, ah, my beloved brethren, I am guilty. I am the cause of all these troubles. And the Moravian communities, including Hen Hag, that have supported this fanatical teachings, all of them repented. Unfortunately, the repentance came late and the count something something of the owner of the estate asked the Moravian people to leave all his area within three years. And the people refused the people in the community refused to leave Zinzendorf. So as they were sacking Zinzendorf, they said they were all going with him. They said we will not break ties with Zinzendorf. I can read it. Count Gustav Casimir, the owner of the estate surrounding the community, demanded that the settlers renounce all ties to Zinzendorf and the Moravian church or leave his property within three years. Either renounce your leader and the Moravian church or leave my uh, lands within three years. They refused to do that. So that one also scattered them as more missionaries, the 600 of them into the world. They went into Europe, America, and other parts of the world. Hallelujah. After Zinzendorf's repentance, there was now a time of revival flowing like never before. Revival was flowing in Greenland with more than 200 natives meeting for weekly services. All right? Yeah, he, actually, his money was not yet finished. They purchased 32, they started 32 businesses. And their missionary support spread through America. Ludwig officiated at the wedding of his friends and purchased an estate for them, for their wedding presents. Yeah. Now, 
the greatest blessing came because the king who exiled him from his own land after 10 years decided to visit the place himself. When he visited, he said, wow, what a great work is being done here. And he rescinded his decision to exile. And for the first time after 10 years, King Vindov was now allowed to come back to his house and to his place after 10 years of separation. Now, Zizendorf was now happy. Things were working. He continued to travel through Europe, preaching the gospel and encouraging the communities that had been built there. His, his main companion was his only son that had been survived. Christian Renatus was in his 20s. And Ludwig had planned that this Christian would be the main person to take over after him. Wow. Early in 1752, while living in London, his son began to experience fevers, harsh coughing spells. Within a few months, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Ludwig and his wife, Edmoth, were heartbroken. In their spirited son, they had seen hopes and dreams. Neither of his parents was with him. He died in his apartment, his son, on May 28, 1752, at the age of 24. Ludwig wept bitter tears at the loss of his precious son and heir. As he read Christian journal of his increasing desire to serve the Lord, Ludwig grieved for the misery that they might have had together. As for the mother, she was inconsolable. When she received word that he had died, she called him her precious crystalline. She spoke frequently of joining him in heaven and began to retire from all ministry after her son died. She lost her focus in life. Two years later, Ludwig left the London headquarters permanently and rejoined his wife. After the death of this young boy, they were having more revival in the missions they had sent. 4,000 people were now attending church in St. Thomas. More than 1,000 had been baptized. Missionary settlements on St. Croix, St. John were growing. Plantation owners from the island of Jamaica sent a request for Moravian missionaries to settle there to lead slaves to Christ. Moravians had expanded to Traquimba, India, Danish Nicobar Islands, and Tibet. And there were now more than 200 Moravian missionaries worldwide. That same year, Lord Granville, an English aristocrat, sold 100,000 acres of his land in North Carolina to the American Moravian Church. That's where uh, uh, Rick Joyner put his hat on the Moravian land. Yes. And named the place Wachovia after his grandson father's estate in Austria. And, and, and what 12 male and female missionaries settled in North Carolina, naming it Salem. Today, the, North, the state of North Carolina, particularly around the state of Winston-Salem, has a larger number of Moravian congregations than any other region in the United States. Now, Zinzendorf has spent so much of his personal money and his wealth was nearly depleted, and several of his Moravian communities were in debt. In answer to prayer, the Lord sent a certain brother with a gift of administration to handle the finances. And his wife was no more handling some of those things. All right? But in Zinzendorf's house, his wife became increasingly listless after the death of her son. And the doctors could not find the exact cause. A few months, she was confined to her bed. And 1756, Countess von Zinzendorf passed away quietly in her sleep. Ludwig entered a time of mourning and regret for the many years he had left his wife alone while ministering. 
in America and Europe during their 34-year marriage. All I can say in my life, I have never endured such anguish since Zindorf confessed after his death. She had been a faithful wife. At a funeral, she be said, the Lord through his great power accomplished many glorious deeds through her. She gave wise advice. Sisters, are you listening? Uh, she gave wise advice. Are you going to give wise advice? And deep insights into scripture. And he wrote, she was God's princess among us. He had the last four words engraved on her tombstone. God's princess among us. He wrote it on her tombstone. After a year of seclusion, Zinzendorf wrote some hymns to encourage himself. And then the elders of Henhart called him for a meeting. And they sat down with him and they suggested to him that we are suggesting that we marry again. <laughs> yeah, the elders gathered him for a meeting, called him and said, we are suggesting that you should marry again. So, he agreed. And the 56-year-old man married the 42-year-old former missionary, Anna Nitschman. She, her name was mentioned as one of the missionaries. Remember, I mentioned her name, Anna Nitschman. And they were married by Bishop Leonard Doba. So, Ludwig and Anna, they had both worked for the Lord. She was actually a commoner. But he traveled throughout with her. And he wrote, A missionary seeks nothing else day and night, but that the heathens find joy in their Savior, and that the Savior might find joy in the heathens. One year later, they came back to Hanhart ready to settle. All right. And in the spring of 1760, everything changed. For some time, Anna had been feeling and in April she was also diagnosed with cancer <laughs> and soon after became bedridden so Ludwig continued to preach to the head brethren to spend the evening by his wife's bedside he worked on his daily devotional The first Sunday, made during the morning worship service, Ludwig experienced some pressure in his chest, followed by chest pains and difficulty in breathing. It was most likely a heart attack. Four days later, he was getting weaker and laying in bed with a harsh cough. And his dear friend, Bishop David Nishman, was at his bedside, along with Ludwig's three daughters, Benina, Marie, Agnes, and Elizabeth. With grateful tears, the Count turned to David and asked, turned to his friend as he was lying to bed. He was dying. He asked him, did you ever suppose in the beginning that the Savior would do as much as we now see amongst the various Moravian settlements among the children of God of other denominations and amongst the heathens? I only entreated him for a few 
first fruits of the latter. But there are now thousands of them. As he lay down, he continued. He said, I cannot say how much I love you all. Who would have believed that the prayer of Christ, that they may be one, could have been so strikingly fulfilled among us? That night, with his family still at his bedside, Zinzendorf whispered hoarsely to his son-in-law, John, Now, my dear friend, I'm going to be with the Savior. I'm ready. I bow to his will. He is satisfied with me. If he does not want me here anymore, I'm ready to go to him. There is nothing to hinder me now. John reached out to Ludwig's hand and he held Zinzendorf's hand and prayed, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Just moments later, on the evening of Friday, the 9th of May, 1760, Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf rested his head back on his pillow and quietly entered into the joy of his Lord. When John walked into Anna's room, you know his wife had cancer, but she had not died. She rather thought she was going to die. She hadn't died. She was alive in the bedroom. He walked into Anna's room with the sad tidings. She responded with a quiet smile, saying, I have the happiest prospect of all of them. I'm glad that all of them, I will be going to him soon. For several days, Zinzendorf was laid in state at his mansion, the Bettelsdorf mansion, on May 15th. The day of the, on May 15th, the day of the funeral, peasants, ordinary people from neighboring towns and dignities from the nearby cities walked through to see the beloved father of Henhart one last time. Zinzendorf was buried in God's acre beside Edmund, his first wife, and eight of his 12 children who were already in the grave. And they said, as they were burying him, they said, with tears, we now sow this seed in the earth. The Bishop David prayed at the graveside. But he, in his own good time, will bring it to life and will gather in his harvest with thanks and praise. Let all who wish for this say amen. And 4,000 voices present at the graveside echoed amen. One week later, on May 22nd, his second wife, Anna Nichman Zenzendorf, also passed away and was buried in God's acre. The Moravian Church was forever grateful to the Lord for sending Zinzendorf to help restore the Moravians and all the work that was done. Hallelujah. Other people, Spangenberg, others who went to America. Uh, once the leaders, once when Zinzendorf died, they called the guy they had sent to America. August Spangenberg to become the official leader of the Moravian Church. And he wrote a declaration that said as a guide for the 
Meridian Church. Hallelujah. Wow. So what a blessing. Today, there's a small town called Hanot in Germany. And I think I'll be interested in going there. Population is just under 5,000 citizens. It is still the international headquarters of the Moravian Church. For 28 years from 1961 to 1989, Hanot was located on the East German side of the Berlin Wall. Even though practicing Christianity was illegal during the communist time, a group of Moravian Christians were practicing and baptized with the Holy Spirit and founded a charismatic prayer group that worshipped them. You see, they are still fighting their way. In 1999, they established a spirit-filled ministry called Christlich Zentrum Herrnhatz. And they meet in a vibrant church building called Jesus House. Their vision today is much like Zinzendorf's 300 years ago. Here are some of the beliefs. We believe the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ is the church's most precious treasure. We want to live it. We treasure the Holy Spirit and his gifts. We want to serve the body of Christ. We identify with other churches in the charismatic movement. Visitors can see where God's power moves on the Moravian church. And God's acre and count Zinzendorf's spirit are still undisturbed in the village. Zinzendorf's house is currently being restored to its 18th century beauty and is open for guests. Hallelujah. The Moravian missionary spirit continues. By the time of Ludwig van Zinzendorf's death, the Moravians had sent out 226 missionaries, baptized more than 3,000 converts, And from 1732 to 1782, they officially recorded the baptisms of 11,000 people. On the Caribbean island of Antigua alone, from 1769 to 1792, the the converts grew from 14 to 7,400. For 50 years, the Moravians spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through the West Indies without help from any other denomination. They established missions in St. Thomas, St. Croix, St. John, Jamaica, Antigua, Barbados, St. Kitts, They baptized 13,000 new Christians before missionaries from any other church ever arrived on the island. Near the end of the 18th century, just as the earliest missionary society of the Protestants was sending out its first missionary, William Carey, the Moravians already had 1,000 missionaries serving Christ worldwide. Before the Europeans' first missionary of William Carey, they had already sent 1,000 missionaries. By the end of the 19th century, eh, more than 2,200 Moravian missionaries were on the mission field. Today, Moravians still send missionaries to countries where the need is greater, such as Burundi, Belize, Cuba, Kenya, Peru, Uganda, Haiti. Sinzendorf was the instrument in the hand of God, wrote Spangenberg, for the planting of Church of the Brethren in almost every quarter of the globe. He was a man of lively disposition, quick perception, penetrating judgment, extraordinary zeal, and incomparable genius. Simply put, Count Zinzendorf was a man before his time. He was the first to challenge the Protestant church with the mission to go into all the world to reach the unsaved for Christ. He supported first century Christian community and the leadership of women. He welcomed the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He lived a holy and consecrated life and submitted himself to the Savior all his life. Together they went to the mission field, exuberantly sowing seed that will return a great harvest. 
as a child, Zinzendorf was like the rich young ruler who in the gospel of Mark asked, what shall I do that I may inherit life? Instead of turning away in sorrow at Christ's answer to sell all that he owned, Ludwig faithfully laid down all his riches to follow his precious Lord and King. The last line on his headstone speaks of his crowning achievements. He was the f- to bring forth fruit, fruit that should remain. All right? And his successor, Spangenberg, wrote, he said, he was the great treasure of our time, a lovely diamond in the ring on the hand of our Lord, a servant of the Lord without equal, a pillar in the house of God, God's message to his people. Clap for, 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 for Jesus. Is it a blessing? Is it a blessing? You know, how many are inspired by such a wonderful story? Yes. If you are not inspired, you are not supposed to be here. You, you came to the wrong meeting. You should have gone for career counseling elsewhere. But this is a, if I if I tell you, if I if I if I get and I start to read Harry and Adoniram Jackson and you you will be amazed what these people have done. What a blessing. Lift your hand and pray that the mantle of the Zinzendorfs and the Moravians will be upon you. Every town, every village, every city, yes, can hear the wonderful messages that come forth for you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks a million for this great blessing. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Let us receive this mantle right now. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. I feel we should take an offering to bless the Lord for the Moravian church. Take out an offering, everybody. Sit down. What a blessing. How many would like to be like such a, a, a wonderful person? Do you see we are quite different in our things? Quite different. Isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Because you see, when I read, I kept reading, I said, you know, I have no way of sharing certain things with you, except I just come and read these stories to you. For you to see. Yeah. 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 One missionary guide, two are sent. Please, let's go to every town, every city, every nation. Let's do it. Because we can do it. God has called us. Thank you. 
the offering up, Father, thanks a million for this opportunity to say thank you for wonderful missionaries that are being sent forth. In Jesus' name, amen. What's happening at the back there? Is there a special thing that we don't know about? Ashes are getting back here. Ludwig Nicholas von Rundendorf. Will you eat or you sacrifice it?
Hallelujah. Count Nicholas von Ludwig 
Zenz and Doc. May you receive that anointing in Jesus' name. Wow, Daddy, thank you so much for such a powerful message tonight. Please hold on. Um, please. Just 20 seconds. We have a letter from His Eminence Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. Um, says, Dear First Love Campus, it was a great pleasure spending time with you yesterday. I was deeply touched by your enthusiasm and I pray that God gives you the grace and strength to stand as intercessors and prayer militia for your nations, families, and loved ones. I have asked for two versions of my prayer CDs to be made available to you at a discounted rate. I pray that as you listen to them, the prayer virus will sink deep into your DNA. Listen, let me say that. I pray that as you listen to them, the prayer virus will sink deep into your DNA and activate you to walk in higher dimensions of prayer. Thank yours for the demolition of strongholds. Signed, Papa, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. Wow. What a blessing. What a powerful blessing. In fact, this camp, if you hadn't come for this camp, hey. In fact, the devil was trying to you to keep you from this camp but God had prayed for you pra. amen